Hey, uh, so we are continuing our series titled Christmas Is, and the first week we talked about how do we prepare our hearts for Christmas by looking and making sure we don't miss the Jesus of Christmas. And then last week we talked about how Christmas is hope for all, this idea that God gives us hope as we wait expectantly for what God will do in our lives, but then we also provide hope for other people. And it's just great that we get to be a part of that. Today we're going to talk about, as you might have guessed, we're going to talk about how Christmas is a gift. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, God, just for the wonderful worship and to sing Christmas songs and to sing worship songs and to be in your presence in that way. And God, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would bring the gift of Jesus to life in us, that we would leave here with just an incredibly full understanding of all that you offer us in the gift of Jesus. I ask this in your name. Amen. So I want you to imagine that it's Christmas morning, and you get out from under the tree a box that's about this big. And you open up the box, and you find in there a brand new iPhone. And you are thrilled to find a brand new iPhone. And so you say, I'm going to use this iPhone, and you use it to call people. And this is amazing. You realize you can go anywhere, like in almost the whole world, unless you have Sprint, and call somebody, right? Right? And then you can push the numbers and you can send them a text message from like anywhere in the world. Like, this is the best present ever. And you would be thrilled with that, right? However, if you only did text messages, if you only used this as a phone, you'd be missing out on a big part of what the iPhone can do. Because you probably know this, but there's all sorts of apps within that you can download on your iPhone. Like there's an app that you can tell what the weather is going to be tomorrow or this afternoon. There's an app on here that you can play fantasy football with your friends. There's an app that you can tell where your kids are and how fast they're driving. That's kind of a bonus, right? There's all kind. I can deposit checks through an app on my phone. That's absolutely amazing. It does way more than text and call. And, and on this thing, I've discovered some things recently about what this phone does. Did you know that there's a level in a phone? So I can put this here, right? And I can tell you how level this table is. It's amazing, right? It's perfectly level right there. See, it's green. Do you see that? It does all these things. I can send a little reminder that tells somebody my location, where I am, and I can even do this. I can, without even touching it, I can say, hey, Siri, call Stacy Santon. Calling Stacy. Isn't that nice? Amazing. Is anybody impressed? No, you guys aren't impressed. You always have all heard it. But here's the thing. And I share this with you because if the only thing that you did with your iPhone is text and talk, you would be missing out on so much of what an iPhone can do for you and all that an iPhone is and all that it has. And this morning, we're talking about how Christmas is a gift, how Jesus is a gift to us. And the thing is, if you look at Jesus and you're like, the only thing that Jesus is for me is salvation, then you have missed so much of what the gift of Jesus is to you. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about all the blessings and all the benefits that come when we receive Jesus as the gift to us. You know, and if you're, if you're new to Christianity, if you're maybe even investigating what does it mean to be a follower of Christ or new to checking out church, you're wondering, what is it like Jesus, what comes with that? What's that about? We're going to unpack 
five of those things this morning. But if you've been a follower of Christ for a while, I think as we look at this, it's going to help you bring out and understand the fullness of what God offers to you. Because sometimes we have something, but we don't know all that it does. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at a place that is not typically viewed as a Christmas passage. We're going to be in Galatians 4. So if you open your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 4, that's where we're going to be this morning. Um, It's not known as a Christmas passage, but it does talk about the coming of Christ and what Christ is to us and that God sent him to us. And so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we're going to go back and look at it kind of phrase by phrase. It says this. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what I want us to do is we're going to talk about how Jesus is the gift. And so I have this to kind of represent that Jesus is the gift, and it's going to serve as sort of an illustration with us for us through this whole time. But I want to begin at the beginning of this passage. And it simply says this, verse 4. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born of under the law. So it has this phrase, and you can underline a couple of these phrases in your Bible if you want to, or highlight them if you're using a phone. But it says, when the fullness of time had come. And so that's an expression that means at just the right time, at just the perfect time, Jesus came. God sent Jesus. And sometimes I've thought about this. What is it about that period of time that Jesus came? Why did he come about 2,000 years ago. What was it about that time? Why didn't he come a couple hundred years earlier? Why didn't he come a couple hundred years later? Why didn't he come a thousand years later or 2,000 years later? Why was it that he came just at that right time, at the fullness of time? And so we can kind of look, and we don't know for sure, but there's some things that can lead us to a pretty good educated guess. One is just geopolitically, the time was very ripe for Jesus to arrive. Because it was a time when the Romans ruled pretty much all of the known world. And so because they ruled, there was relative peace. There wasn't a whole lot of fighting. As long as you were under and obeyed and followed the authority of the Romans, there was relative peace. It was called Pax Romana, right? The other thing that was unique is one of the things that the Romans did is they built roads all different from all different cities from place to place, and it made travel a whole lot easier. And so when Jesus was born and then grew up and then word about him spread in terms of the gospel, it made the spreading of the gospel that much easier because the Roman roads were built. But spiritually speaking, there's a whole other element of why this was the fullness of time. Then in the Old Testament, there are dozens and dozens of prophecies about Jesus says the Messiah will do this and, and the ruler will do this. And it says all these things that are future pointing about his death, about all, all sorts of different things. Um, but specifically, and we could look at all those and say, ah, now we understand why this is the fullness of time. But in the prophecies about his birth, 
there were three of them that kind of made this time very central. You know, because as you look at the, um, at the prophecies of Jesus, it talks about him being from Bethlehem, from Nazareth, but also from Egypt. In Micah chapter 2, excuse me, Micah chapter 5, it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, that's a hard word to say, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel. So the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And he went, and this is from Matthew talking about a prophecy in the Old Testament. It says, And he went and he lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So he's from Nazareth. Hosea 11, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. That's Hosea. So how do you have a Messiah who does all these things? Well, Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth. They have to go to Bethlehem for the census. And then when the persecution breaks out by Herod looking for the baby boy, they're warned to go to Egypt. And then when he becomes of age, they come back to Nazareth. So you look at this and say, that's the fullness of time. How could the Messiah come from these places? Well, this is how he comes from three different places. That's the fullness of time. And God orchestrated this all just at the right time. And this is not the direction of the message this morning, but I do want to take just a second and say, God's timing is amazing. All these things came together at the right time. And you may be in a place where you're kind of waiting and a little frustrated with God's timing, but in the fullness of time, the exact right things will happen for you in your life. So we keep going. Verse 4, let me read the second part of this. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So you can underline that little phrase, sent forth his son. This is the way that's recorded, excuse me, in the Gospel of John. It says, But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So what this is saying is that Jesus is a gift to us, to those who believe in Jesus, so believe that He is the Son of God, believe that He lived a perfect life, believe that He died on the cross for our sins, believe that He rose from the dead, to those that believe in Jesus, and to those who receive Him, He gave the gift to be children of God. And so when you receive the gift of Jesus, at that point in time, I don't know if you guys can see that over here, sorry, there we go, but you guys, we became children of God when you received, when we received the gift of Jesus. And when we are children of God, we get all of the blessings and benefits of being His children. You know, think about your own family, right? If you have kids or if you are a kid, there are certain blessings and benefits that come with that. You know, because our kids, our four kids are Santons, there are, four, there are things that they get that other kids don't get because they are our children. And so when you receive Jesus as your Savior, you become a child of God, a son or daughter of God. But with that, with being a child of God, comes all of these blessings and benefits. And that's what we see over these next few verses. Verse 5, it says, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So it has this phrase. It says that we are redeemed 
under the law. And so if we look back at the Old Testament, the people in the Old Testament, they lived under the law. And there are all sorts of laws that they had to follow that were very difficult to follow. There were laws about obeying you know, the, the rules of God. There were laws about how do they interact with people. There were laws about sacrifices. There were laws about um, certain sort of holy days. There were all kinds of laws about what you could eat and what you could not eat. There were all of these laws, and to live under that was very difficult to do. But yet it says that Jesus came to redeem those under the law. And what's interesting is you look at the life of Jesus and that Jesus fulfilled every part of the law. Everything that is written in this book in the Old Testament, he lived that perfectly. The dietary laws, the sacrificial laws, the laws about how to obey God, the laws about what to do with people, all these things, he followed them to the letter of the law. And because he perfectly fulfilled the law, he was able to die on the cross for our sins. And so because he did that, we no longer live under the law, but we live under grace. And so this word grace is not in here on its own, but it's all throughout the book of Galatians, not specifically in this passage. But when we receive the gift of Jesus, we also receive the gift of grace. And so we take this and we say, when we receive the gift of Jesus, we also receive the gift of grace. And here's the thing. It's a blessing. It's a benefit to live under grace. It means that we don't have to live in fear that God is going to stop loving us. We don't have to live in fear that we're not going to measure up to some expectation that God has for us that we can't meet. We don't have to worry about earning our salvation. We don't have to be concerned because we are under grace of, have I done enough to keep in God's favor? No, you are under grace. Your salvation comes, and with it comes grace. Not just receiving salvation, but that we live under a constant state of grace, that his love covers us, that we don't ever have to think, have I earned God's love? The gift of Jesus and being a child of God is you don't have to earn it, that it comes to you and it stays with you because of grace. Here's the second part in this same verse. In the second half of this, it says, um, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I'm sorry, this is verse 6. Um, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So when you receive the gift of Jesus, what also happens is you get the spirit. So it calls it here the spirit of the son. But it's talking about, Paul's talking about the Holy Spirit that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. And so when we receive Jesus, we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I don't know if you realize this, but you receive Christ, you say, yes, I place my faith in Jesus as my Savior. And at that moment in time, the Holy Spirit comes in us and dwells in us. And that gives us, that in and of itself gives us a number of blessings. You know, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. It talks about it means that Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit is our comforter. When we go through tough times, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. The Holy Spirit is called the counselor, that he's there to guide us in decision-making. You know, we can read the Bible and we can find instruction there. We can seek wise counsel. 
but we also can listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit as he leads us in decisions that we make. You know, the other thing the Holy Spirit does, and it's like a gift within a gift, is the Holy Spirit gives you spiritual gifts. So when you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit gives you one or more spiritual gifts. In our home group, we were actually going through the book of Ephesians, and we got to chapter 4, and in chapter 4, Paul talks about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He uh, talks about teaching and pastoring and these five, four or five different gifts. And our group got to this, and we're really just taken aback by it. And we began to ask questions, do you have this spiritual gifts? Do you know what it is? And we spent the entire rest of that home group time on this spiritual gifts. And it was so intriguing to us, we said, let's push back going on in Ephesians. And the next week, all of us answered a spiritual gifts inventory and then talked about it the next week. And every person there realized, God has given me, through the Holy Spirit, a gift of the Spirit, a spiritual gift. I encourage you, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, to find that out. You know, the other thing that the Holy Spirit does, and this is, for me, this has been kind of my growing edge, what I've been learning. And, you know, one of the core values at River Ridge is we never stop growing, and that goes for me too. And if it ever comes a point where I stop growing, do one of the two things, kick me in the butt or kick me out, because I always want to be growing. But one of the things that I've been growing and trying to learn and figure out is, how do I listen to the Holy Spirit? How do I listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and knowing it's from God? And so I actually started reading a book recently called Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God. But that's something else the Holy Spirit does, is He whispers to us in terms of promptings about what to do and how to act and things like that. The next gift comes from uh, verse 6 as well, and it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And circle or underline that word, Abba, Abba, Father. It means Daddy. It's a a way of speaking intimately about God. I was watching a a TV show on Amazon for a while, and this show had a very strict dad uh, with his son, and there were a number of interactions. And every time the, the son would speak to the dad, he would call him Father. Say, Father, may I have some more juice? Father, may I be excused from the table? Father, may I go play with my friends? Father, may I study at the dinner table? Father, may I... And there's all these father, father, father. And there was just this stiffness to this relationship. But I want you to understand that when you receive the gift of Jesus and you are a son of God, that what that means is that you can call Father, our Father in heaven, Daddy that we receive, and I put it this way, an intimate relationship with the Father, an intimate relationship with the Father. I didn't have room for that on my box, so I just put this, um, that we call him Abba, right? He invites us to call him that. And you know, the thing about when we call somebody daddy, it really says more, it says a lot about us and our relationship with him, that God wants you, he wants us to have that type of intimate relationship with Him, one where we trust Him, one where we go to Him, one especially where we're honest with Him. If you think about a child calling his father, Daddy, he or she does that because there's this trust, because there's this intimate relationship, because there's this openness of the relationship. You know, and I would challenge you with this question when it comes to Abba, Father. 
is do you pour yourself out to God in honesty? Do you have that sort of honest relationship where you can tell him everything and bring everything to him and express everything that's in your heart to him? You know, one of the things that I do is I journal. So I'll read a passage of scripture, you know, usually six, eight, ten verses, and I'll write down what God teaches me. But as a part of that, I'll often pour out my heart to God. God, this is my dreams. This is my hopes. This is some of my fears. Here's where I'm struggling. But one of the things I'll also pour out to God, because he is my Abba Father, because we had this kind of relationship, is I'll pour out my frustrations, not with people, but with him. God, I'm frustrated with you that you're not answering this prayer. God, I'm frustrated with you, and I'll pour that out because we have that kind of Abba Father relationship. And I challenge you, do you have that type of relationship with your Heavenly Father? Is it an Abba Father relationship? Here's the next gift that we receive when we receive the gift of Jesus. It comes from verse 7. It says, So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. When I received the gift of Jesus, I received the gift of freedom from sin. We received the gift of freedom from sin. So put that there. And by the way, just to clarify the illustration, it kind of falls short. It's not like out of one comes the next. It just kind of works because they're cute stacking boxes. Um, but when you receive Christ, you get all of these. You don't have to unpack one of the next. But we have the gift of freedom. Because we are in Christ, we're no longer slaves. There's a song that we sing called No Longer Slaves. We sing this a lot at River Ridge, and I love the song, and I'm going to read the lyrics to you. It says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. We've been liberated from our bondage. We're the sons and daughters. Let us sing our freedom. You know, the song says we are no longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear. But what if we put that up there and we put a blank there? I'm no longer a slave to blank, but I'm a child of God. What would you put in that blank? I'm no longer a slave to trying to get people's approval. I'm no longer a slave to my past. I'm no longer a slave to my emotions. I'm no longer a slave to my appearances. I'm no longer a slave to my doubts. I'm no longer a slave to blank. How would you fill that in? Because the fact is that God, when you received Jesus as your Savior, you became a child of God, and a child of God lives as a son, not as a slave to anything. And that is a blessing and a benefit to you. And then the last one, it says this. It says, and if a son, then an heir through God. When I received the gift of Jesus, I also received the gift of salvation. I received the gift of heaven. And this is what we receive. That because you are a child of God who has received Christ as your Savior, you can be assured that you will spend eternity in heaven. That is a gift to you. Now, I want you to consider, I want to ask you, kind of give you two application questions. Uh, so here's the five gifts, and we'll lift them up here. Grace, the Holy Spirit, an intimate relationship with God, freedom from sin, and heaven. And as you look at that list, here's the question I have for you. Which of those, or which one, pick one, 
Which one are you most thankful for? You look at that list and you say, I'm so thankful for. And I'd really challenge you to pick one and say, ah, I'm all five, I'm thankful for all five. That's, be thankful for all five. But go through kind of the mental work to say, which one am I most appreciative of? Is it that you're going to be in heaven? Is it that you're not a slave to anything, the freedom? What is it for you? And then also look at that list and ask this question, say, what do I need to focus on a little bit more? Which of these gifts that I am, because I'm a child of God, because Jesus is a gift to me, which of these do I need to focus on a little bit more, to utilize a little bit more, to have in the front of my brain a little bit more? You know, um, Christmas morning will come, and uh, there's always seems like a gift, especially when kids are little, you open up, the kids open up a gift, and you, as the parent, are super excited about the gift, right? And the kid opens it up, and he's like, oh my goodness, it's a whatever it is, right? And then you th- read those three awful words on the package. Do you know what those three awful words are? Batteries not included, you're like, oh, you know, and then what do we do, right? We go looking for those batteries. You're like, oh, it takes uh, those nine volt. We'll just take them out of the fire, the um, fire alarms. We won't have a fire today, I'm sure, right? We'll take them out of the remote control. We won't change the channel today. We'll put them in, you know, or it takes like D cells. It's like, it needs 50 D cells. I only have four in my flashlight, right? But you get that no batteries included, batteries not included. And I think, man, how different is that than Jesus, that everything that you need, everything that we need, is included in the gift of Jesus. Grace and freedom and calling him Abba. No longer a slave to sin. All that we need is provided in Jesus Christ. And I want to give you, as you leave here, a reminder. Um, it's just it's a little small trinket, but when you leave here at those double doors, there's a basket out there, and it just has a little gift on it. And I want you to take this with you, and I want you to remember that Jesus is your gift. Put it on the dashboard of your car, in your pocket, make it a key ring, hang it on your tree. Whatever you want to do with it is fine. But let it be a reminder that Jesus is God's gift to you, and in Jesus, he has provided all that you need. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to call you Abba, Father. Thank you that we have grace and forgiveness, and that we will spend eternity with you in heaven. And that all comes from receiving the gift of Jesus Christ, Lord. And God, I pray right now, if there's someone here who has not received the gift of Christ, to do that this morning, to just say, I say yes to Jesus, receiving the gift of Jesus as my Savior, that I might be a child of God. And that for all of us, we would walk out of here with full confidence and assurance, knowing that we are your children with all of these blessings and all of these benefits. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.